television. Radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it came out. Yeah. 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 So you guys are referring to Jello. <laughs> Jello is an incredibly great food. I don't know what they put in it. I know it has something to do with chopping up calves, hooves, or something like that, and uh, boiling them or something like that. I, that's I'm not, gelatin, right? That's how they get gelatin. That would be the non-kosher Jello, and. Um, <laughs> this is the world according to Ben Stein, everybody out there. And I want to welcome everybody to the world according to that man, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. We have a great show for you tonight. But first of all, I want to thank somebody from the bottom of our hearts. First of all, I want to thank all the, the people that download the show and that not just download, listen, listen live without downloading. It's 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 amazing. I never we never imagined uh, we'd be ranking like we are with zero promotion pretty much and it means the world to us ben stein is the promotion but the other night we had discussed uh, a little bit about the 12 steps and after the show ben stein a woman emailed me that we really teresa that we uh tremendously helped her she's in al-anon she was going through a rough time of it and the fact that we were open and honest about the world of the 12 steps it really got her through the night so well, god bless, her. God bless, her. God god bless her. you teresa god bless all the rumblers the ranters the people that follow us later on remember subscribe to our email benstein.substack.com but also if you download the show and you want to interact with us we do interact with you guys so come come to rumble.com subscribe to ben channel and rant rant the night away uh and and i might add that uh the 12 steps are a huge 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 part of my life and uh I'm very, very, very eager to talk about it more. I think uh, we should talk about it uh, all, we, all we possibly can. That'll be our Saturday night specials. And uh, we are joined tonight. We are honored tonight to have Malcolm Holmline in. He's the vice president of the Conference of Major American Jewish Organizations. But I mean, it's just so much more. You've, uh, you the director of the Greater New York Conference of Soviet Jury. And to the people out there listening, I'm not even sure they would probably know how what that was like uh when you started that that uh malcolm that jews couldn't exactly come from russia to uh anywhere and uh if you could talk a little bit about yourself and just uh for a minute and just uh because you've done so much you're i mean it can be be way more than a minute yeah take your time malcolm because you've done some amazing work and I, i i will be underselling you well thank you and thank you uh ben it's a pleasure to be with you and uh, Judah and Adam to, to have this opportunity. Uh, I've long admired your, your work and what you have uh, stood for. Uh, I started, I uh, was born at a very young age in Philadelphia. I went uh, to- Wait a minute, Every, everyone is born at the same age. Well, it depends. it's all relative, I think. Uh, but, you're, but theoretically you're right. But it, I was born and started at a very young age involving myself in politics. I went to yeshiva in Philadelphia. Then I went to Temple and did my doctoral work at Penn, where I taught international relations under Robert Strauss-Huppé um, and uh, was a, a Middle East specialist at the Foreign Policy Research Institute and began my focus, especially on the Middle East, uh, but international affairs generally. I also got very involved in Soviet Jewry early on because I believed that this was the translation of the commitment of never again, that if we really meant it, that we had to translate it into action and never again could Jews be alone, be Jews be in danger, and the rest of the world be silent. 
And as you know, we built coalitions of Blacks, Hispanics, people of every walk of life, uh, and made it the, the number one human rights cause in the world, and resulted in and the Iron Curtain being put turned into a Venetian blind, as uh, uh, Barry Farber used to say, and to see the, the fact that a million Jews have come out, mostly to Israel, many to the United States and other places, making great contributions. And um, the Soviet Jewry movement really brought about, I believe, perestroika and glasnost uh, and freedom for many others in the former Soviet Union. The, uh, from there, and I organized the first big demonstrations on Fifth Avenue. From there, I went to the Jewish Community Relations Council when it was created, which was the umbrella ultimately for 80 Jewish organizations in the New York area, working on the whole panoply of domestic and international issues. And in 1986, I became the executive vice chairman, CEO of the Conference of Presidents, which is the umbrella for 53 national Jewish organizations working on the national and international. We don't deal with local issues, but we deal with everything from terrorism, United Nations, uh, issues in Washington, Congress, uh, with world leaders, uh, Iran, everything you can in, in that uh, whole Sears catalog of, of issues. And in the interim, I, I have had many awards. I have four honorary doctorates uh, from Temple, from Barilla, Turo and Yeshiva. I have many other awards from President Reagan, from other presidents and the King of Morocco, the highest uh, decoration. I've been very privileged to work with the most amazing people in the world and have the opportunity to make a difference, which I think is the most important thing that when one looks back on their life and say how you've changed the life of others, how you've made it a better place. And thank God I was given the privilege and, and I don't credit myself, I just really, I never looked for a job. Everything just happened. So I think it was a destiny for me and culminates now in my appearance here. Well, we're honored to have right. you and Adam and I will pretty much yeah. be quiet the whole show because both of you have such, had such incredible lives. Ben Stein, former speechwriter for three presidents, multiple Emmy Award winner. Uh, it's something also a lot of people don't realize. Ben used to be right for Barron's a lot, a, a lot, a, and lot. a lot. And he was extremely influential in bringing down some very, very, very bad people. He's, and for the sake of the show tonight, I always love to mention his father, Herbert Stein, who uh, was one of the most influential economists of all time. And for the sake of tonight's show, helped save Israel's economy. Economy was literally brought into Israel to help save their economy. That's Herbert Stein. And uh, I, it's one of the, I always get chills, Ben Stein, when I think about that. Of course, he's a husband. And most importantly, he is the, second most importantly, he is the Dr. Benjamin Jeremy Stein. I work night and day as a doctor, but uh, not as a doctor of medicine. I work as a doctor of uh, Jell-O. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the Jell-O. And of course, Adam, okay. the facilitator king, who Malcolm, the show would not be, and Ben, the show would not be able to tonight. So Simba from Simi Valley, from the bottom of our hearts, Adam, thank you. Thank you, guys. Good to see you again. God bless you, Simi. Simi is one of the best places in America, I got to say. Yeah, is well, really? is Reagan really? Library is down the street. All the food comes fresh from the farm. It's beautiful here every single day. Uh, you should, sure. <laughs> why can I see you now selling for Simi Valley being the face of the poster? But Ben they just hired me to be the new uh, poster boy for the town. Ben, Ben, most importantly, uh, not most importantly, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world and a lot of stuff that people are not talking about. And obviously one of them 
uh, is always seems to be Ron. Uh, but Malcolm was telling me before the show, and if you could explain, if you, I'm not, I'm pretty sure Ben was probably familiar with this, Malcolm, but if you could talk about the Iranian situation with Central America, South America. Right. Uh, well, first of all, I think Iran is the major threat today, and it's not being dealt with in a stronger or directed fashion as we should and we could. Uh, we are allowing the people of Iran to pay the price with their suffering. Not only is the country in doubt and drought, economic dislocation, half the population under under uh, 30 uh, unemployed. The, um, uh, they don't have medicine, they don't have other things, not because of our sanctions, but because the government of Iran uh, denies it to them. You can be sure the IRGC and the Supreme Leader's House are well taken care of. They control 40% of the economy. And now you saw the liaison with uh, Russia in the last week and Turkey becoming part of it, but more importantly also with China. And they're growing efforts around the world in the region. We know the threats that they have made to Saudi Arabia, UAE, our other allies, certainly the threat to destroy Israel and the threat to destroy the United States, the, the actions they have taken in various uh, European countries, uh, and most recently in uh, the attempts at, uh, to kill tourists from Israel in Turkey. But one of the things that's not mentioned in, as we discussed, their nuclear aspirations, which are moving ahead, their enrichment facilities, capabilities, they built these underground facilities, <laughs> Three football fields. We have um, they have enriched huge stockpiles, all in violation of the existing agreement, and uh, they have ex also extended their reach to South America, where increasingly they are playing a dominant role, using the base in Venezuela and in Nicaragua, um, many of the other uh, uh, the Bolivari countries, um, but also much further. And we've seen the change in governments from Chile to Costa Rica uh, to Colombia, where very pro-Western governments are being replaced by hostile governments, extreme leftist governments. And Iran is uh, active in them. Hezbollah is active in at least nine of the countries. And we have seen this deterioration go on unresponded to. We even see that one of the stalwarts, Panama, is moving to the uh, left. Uh, extreme left in, in each of these cases, and hostile governments, some of them even anti-Semitic, openly anti-Semitic, but certainly anti-American. And this, I think, poses a, a, a direct danger. Russia is involved, China is involved, Turkey is involved. They have expanded their influence using also Cuba and the Cuban-Venezuelan alliance. We know the planes that go from Iran regularly to Venezuela, they, they ship oil there in exchange get gold and other things from Venezuela, which is uh, today a, a very rich country that is very poor. They, uh, they have huge oil reserves, but can't develop them. Their refineries don't work. And Iran now is stepping in and will rebuild them. And for that, they extract a very heavy price, but it gives Iran uh, a, a launching pad from South America against America. And I think it's, it's something that really has to get be paid attention to we have too often sacrificed our, our interests, our vital interests, and wait until problems are so huge that require massive responses rather than acting preemptively early on to prevent it. Thank you so much, Malcolm. Uh, I have to say that's, that's all blood curdling. I have certainly read snippets about this here and there, but uh, that uh, fairly detailed roundup uh, is really just uh, enough to make you, uh, your blood run cold. It's just Absolutely terrifying. And I believe uh, 
If I may say so, this started because, in, in, in some ways, because the leftists in America said any attempt you make to stamp out leftist uh, pro-Cuba, pro-communist, uh, pro-China, pro-Russia sentiment in, uh, in the uh, area is done by Nixon and is a terrible, hostile, and nasty, awful thing to do as being uh, done by Nixon. And I have had, I had the privilege of having conversations with Nixon about this, who said, this is a real serious problem going on here in South America. We did not kill, uh, assassinate uh, anyone down there in South America. Uh, but uh, we are well aware that there is a massive movement by the communists to uh, subvert large chunks of South America. I don't remember if you mentioned Central America, but uh, your, his summary was nowhere near as thorough as yours. And uh, the, I, I cannot imagine how little, if not nothing, the Biden administration is doing about it. I mean, what they're... they're their incompetence is so breathtaking. Their lack of ability to understand what's going on in the world around them is so breathtaking. One hardly knows where to start. Both great, well said. And Malcolm, to his point, because you brought this up before the show, and I want, I beg of people that are watching the show tonight, Wikipedia Malcolm, and look at the picture they have, because it's a picture of him at a table with Obama. And it's really funny that your head is down and <laughs> and I, I've never you, you almost look as nauseous as Rabin did when he had to shake Arafat's hand. But uh, speak a little bit about to what Ben said. Uh, and Ben is welcoming a friend of his to the house. That's not our, just a friend. That's a very, very, very important nurse slash masseuse for my wife. Welcome. And uh, so, Malcolm, getting back to the Biden thing. To Ben's point, Biden is absolutely derelict. I mean, this whole regime. Well, it's, I think it's a tradition of our State Department, unfortunately, too uh, often um, that uh, has neglected issues of vital bye -bye. and trying to get them to pay attention to, you know, focus on, on a lot of the issues. Many of them are well-meaning, but not competent or able to translate that into uh, action. And unfortunately, some of them are just not capable I want to tell you two stories that you just said about uh, reminded me, Ben, of when uh, I was there, when Rabin made that face uh, when uh, Arafat, um, when he had to shake hands with Arafat. And after it was over, I went over to Rabin and I said, the only reason I could stay here is because I watched your face. Earlier, the, uh, Arafat had lodged a complaint with the State Department that I refused to meet him and refused to shake hands with him. And he, he also went to the to Prime Minister Rabin about it and lodged a complaint against me because I was in the same hotel as he was in Morocco. He sent somebody up. I refused to go down. This is news breaking because I never told this publicly. And he asked me to come and meet and I declined. And I just felt I couldn't shake hands with somebody who had so much Jewish blood on his hands. And there were other occasions that came up, including a meeting with some of our leadership, and I did not go. So I went to see Rabin and I said to him, if you tell me that this is essential for Israel, then I will do it. But that, you know, Secretary Schultz, who's a great friend, raised it with me and, and I need your advice. And he said to me, don't do it. 
He's the most disgusting person I ever met. Don't do it. He wants wow. it too much. He asked me as well. We can get something for it. And when I came on that line afterwards and said to him what I just said about watching your face, he pulled me in and he said, not yet, not yet. And I, in the end, I never met him. I refused to see him till he died. And, and I love that story. And Ben, you're, I'm amazed your lives haven't crossed because you also have a, a Schultz story, uh, which I, was one of my favorite stories about you being on Air Force Two with him, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right. And well, that's a, that's a, my story has nothing to do with no, policy. No, absolutely whatsoever. nothing. <laughs> and uh, absolutely nothing. But I wanted to bring up that Air Force Two story that, that, that I, uh, that I love definitely. But to his point, it, it's, 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 it's I like that that they have blood on their hands, and sadly, to, there, there's been so much that we've been willing to do with people that have blood on our hands, especially with the Jews in Israel, that continue to happen. And it's it, and I'm reading today with the European Union trying to broker this deal, and it's always where Israel is on the short stick. They sort of always have to give up something or everything to people as they're on death's door to these people that are just threatening to kill them. And the European Union, Ben, we brought up before, isn't if it ever was anything. It's time for a new union. Well, my wife, God bless her, the absolutely most wonderful human being in the world, a Gentile and the most righteous of righteous Gentiles, uh, said something so smart about Europe and anti-Semitism in Europe. Uh, she said, um, I, we, were, we were watching one of the endless shows about the anti-Semitism in Europe. And I said, why? Why does it go on and on and on and on, even if the Nazis are so thoroughly beaten? And my wife, a, a real goddess, said, I think it is actually genetic. I think the hatred of the Jews by Europeans is so pervasive and runs through so many generations without any provocation by the Jews at all, that there is something genetic about it. There's a kind of built-in genetic hatred of Jews by European Gentiles. And uh, how that is ever going to be solved, the problem's going to ever be solved, I don't know. But I do know that Mr. Nixon uh, had a very, very bright idea really bright idea and all his ideas were pretty bright except except he should, he should never have hired john dean but other than that he, he had uh he he said basically you've got to be well armed Israel's got to be well armed Israel's got to be really 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 well armed it's got to be so well armed that even the russians are afraid to make a, a military move uh that would be provocative to israel and uh that turned out to be a brilliant super uh, admonition and saved Israel's life and in, uh, in the Yom Kippur War and uh, let's uh, let's give credit where it's due. Of course, that will, uh, among the Jewish community in America, that will never happen. It will never ever happen that the Jewish community in America will understand that there would be no Israel if it were not for Richard Milhouse Nixon, whom so many Jews hate and loathe. And have contempt for, and yet he was the best friend in high places the Jewish people have ever had. Extremely well said, both of you. And I, I think it's the reason it's so important because uh, you guys are, as we say, OGs, 
and when it comes to this and and people like me and people like Adam look up to you guys and in, in, in the next generation like Adam who's so civically civic minded Adam I'm sure you've used both of them as an inspiration to do to, to get involved I know you've traveled with Malcolm I hope I'm not breaking your anonymity on these types of trips to 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 to, to do these types of things Adam and I think it's commendable well, yeah, actually, that's, uh, you know, something that we have to look forward to as Jewish people is procuring another generation of leadership in the in the footsteps of such greatness. Uh, obviously, the two of you have had such uh, extensive careers and have impacted the world, both for the Jewish people and for uh, the, the, the greater world as a whole on such a massive scale. Uh, you know, it's something that we as a people definitely need to uh, look into is passing that torch on and making sure that the future generation of Jews has what is necessary to battle what we're facing now. As, as you said, Malcolm, with uh, Iran on the southern border of America, you know, that's a fight that uh, the Jewish people have to fight, not just in the land of Israel, but out of the land of Israel. And we need that consecutive leadership. But, but we don't do it alone, if I could just say, we have so many allies. I spoke this past week at the Christians United for Israel convention in Washington. It represents over 11 million people. They had 100,000 members a month to see the excitement of the thousands who gathered there, their commitment, their dedication. It's so reassuring. We saw it in Soviet Jewry where people of every faith, race, and religion joined together. And Israel today still enjoys the support of two-thirds of the American people. Unfortunately, we have increasing extremist elements on the left and some on the right, but mostly on the left, including members of Congress who take anti-Israel positions because they, they don't like America either. And frankly, if you're an anti-Semite, if you hate God, you will hate the Jews. And to, to, for, to many of them, it's what we, we are, what we stand for, our values, our heritage, our history. That's the challenge. It was a challenge in the region. Uh, to many of the governments there, that the existence of Israel as a democracy uh, was a challenge, an internal challenge uh, for them. Today, thank God, more and more are coming to terms with it through the Abraham Accords, and uh, and credit should be given to to President Trump for the initiative, which has really been a game changer. Well, I know uh, you said something that Pete Ben, go for it. Well, first of all, I'm not even in the same universe in terms of efforts on behalf of the Jews as. Malcolm, not even in the same universe. I mean, what I have done was very much in passing, has very little to do with a long time conscious effort. Uh, the, the, my father, I think, did do some very major things for Israel, but that was not me. I, my life was devoted to many, many, many other issues uh, and uh, should have been devoted more of it to Israel. But I think what the, the, the great tragedy that Malcolm is referring to in his usual polite and oblique way is the blacks, the issue of the blacks and the blacks' attitude toward Israel. So many of the most vile anti-Semitic uh, members of Congress are black. And uh, how, how the blacks got to be so anti-Israel and anti-Semitic is a heart rendering, as my wife would say, situation. And uh, I don't know what can be done about it, but uh, it is certainly true that uh, when, we, when we look at the problems of, uh, of, of Israel 
and the problems of American anti-Semites, so many of them are black. So many of them are connected with various black organizations. That's really a tragedy, especially considering the enormous amounts of input that Jews have had into helping the black people of the United States of America. And uh, so, somehow, I don't know if anything can be done about that. Maybe not, maybe yes, maybe no. But uh, it, it isn't just your ordinary American uh, guy or gal walking down the street uh, or driving down the street in his pickup truck with uh, Confederate flags on it. Uh, it's, it's not, no, it's, not it's, it's much more heavily concentrated among the blacks. And it's really sad. It's, again, as my wife would say, heart rendering. But uh, I, I think it has to be recognized that somehow the uh, subversion of black people's attitudes towards Jews has been extremely unfortunate. No, you're completely, Malcolm, to his point, and, and this, is, this is what I love about the show, if you just tuned in, you are listening to The World According to Ben Stein. We're joined by Malcolm Holmline, um, who my family knows your family, and when there's pretty much in every Jewish community, there's always a degree of separation or a degree of a street. Uh, he's done it all. He's vice president of uh, uh, a conference of presidents of major American Jewish organizations, and you sit on so many things. And one of the things, Malcolm, we do often talk about that's very taboo that nobody else but Ben Stein, and he underestimates how much he has helped me with Israel and teaching me about Nixon and writing for the spectator about it. So please, Ben, don't downplay the writings you've done. But Malcolm, to his point, you brought up the anti-Semites on the left. They tend to be black and it's baffling for us, uh, baffling for us, uh, this hatred. But when you read the BLM charter, it reads no different than the PLO charter, Malcolm. Well, they, they engage in what they call intersectionality, which is to link movements and they exploit the Black Lives Matter, the Palestinians, pro-Palestinian elements. But on our campuses, Blacks make up only a small percentage of those who engage in the anti-Israel activities. And it is true that a lot of hatred, we see a lot of the physical assaults here in New York, you know, where you've had a 40% increase in, and the vast majority of hate crimes are against Jews in New York. Um, and by the way, nationally also, and that the double digit increases in sometimes even triple digit in Europe and in the United States of anti-Semitic crimes, but they're coming from the extreme right, the extreme left. They come from Muslim groups. They come from, you know, people like Farrakhan. And when you see former presidents of the United States standing on a platform with uh, Farrakhan, giving legitimacy to somebody who has poisoned so many in the black community with his language and his rhetoric, I frankly didn't appreciate it till some very well-known media personalities were using terms. And when I confronted them, they didn't know what they meant. These were just picked up because it was a language he has made commonplace. But the fact is that we have uh, in very, in great sectors of our community, of the American populace, a lot of unrest, a lot of dissatisfaction. And unfortunately, on the campus where you see the, the boycott, divestment and sanctions movement, you see these other efforts, which are just covers for anti-Semitism and try to do it under the guise of delegitimizing Zionism or Israel, but it's, a, it's just a cover for, for real blatant anti-Semitism. So it's not uh, something that's in one quarter or the other, it is something that is becoming increasingly pervasive, and especially because of the internet and the freedom that they have to manipulate the internet. It took Hitler months to spread a big lie. Today, it's done in nanoseconds. And, and it's a battle that we all must be engaged in if we're going to prevent the next generation from succumbing to it. 
I, I was I, I have a constant struggle with my dear 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 friend Judah about uh, the concept of data versus anecdote, and I sure would love to see the data where you say uh, you find that only a very small percent of the uh, anti-Semitism on campuses comes from uh, African American students. I, I'm uh, this is not what I observe in my pathetic wanderings around the United States of America. Uh, if it's true, I'm happy to hear it. But uh, No, but he did say that the percentage of anti-Semitic attacks in New York. Yes, well, are, we are know being, that's true. And, that's and true. I also think outside of the uh, university setting, there's an increased rise. And a lot of that has to do with Iran. You have Louis Farrakhan making, uh, has a tremendous Louis Farrakhan is not an, an Arab. Louis Farrakhan has a tremendously close relationship with the leaders of Iran. But it, yeah, but his but threat his is main, his Iran. Main, his main his main claim to fame is that he's black and he's always he's been a black leader for a long, and long he's a time, and he, he is a real nasty hater. I mean, he, he is a real thoroughgoing Julius Stryker, Goebbels anti-Semite of the first water, and he unfortunately has become pals with some very important black people, including the nauseating balls of vomit like Al Sharpton. And uh, unfortunately, that's uh, too many people don't understand that this is a guy who is a professional hater, anti-Semite, and if he could be killer, you're completely you're you're completely right. And Malcolm, it, it, to to getting back to this point because it's um of uh, I've known Ben for 20, 20 years, and uh, I'm sure you've been having these discussions for a long time now. And we brought this up on the show for many years. The left has called everybody from Nixon to every president on down Nazis, and we've been very hesitant to go down these certain routes, as you would say. And I don't, I, 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 throughout the years, as I've known Ben, I've seen him as the left has grown, his references to Nazism raise, rise, like in ways that I've never seen. It's not like 20 years ago, Ben was using with me uh, certain references. This is just my anecdotal Ben uh, a history with you. But Malcolm in the same vein, I want you to get both get on this, Malcolm, what we're watching with the left, and as you brought up that analogous analogy with um, it, what took two months for would have happened. It, it's a very frightening time what we're watching with the left in this country in comparisons to Nazi Germany. Um, the, I, the, the Nazis, the Nazis uh, had a doctrine. They had a book. They had a long, long, long history in Central Europe and, and Germany, especially, of hatred of Jews. These guys, these modern American anti-Semites, pick it up out of thin air uh, just because some a-hole like a Farrakhan said it, and they therefore believe that it has to be true. And we have the unfortunate situation, very, very unfortunate situation in this country, where if somebody who's black says something, then a certain number of people on the left in America say, well, it has to be true, said by a black. Nonsense. Bullshit. 
And unfortunately, though, that is being picked up all over over the country. Malcolm? They have to be held to account. I agree completely that anybody, um, you can't excuse people because of the color of their skin or their religion to say, well, they don't mean it. They, They mean it. And what the lesson we learned from history is when haters, when dictators say stuff, believe them. Yes. We know it. It's of Iran or others. Hitler told us exactly what he was going to do in 1923 when he published Mein Kampf, which Ben was referring to. It's not something that just popped up. So we have to be on alert and stand up against. And it doesn't matter who it is, what their status in life is, if it's a member of Congress and if it's a black or anything else, we have to stand up to it. The, the, it doesn't the, do it about Malcolm with the greatest respect to your incredible intelligence and your experience. It doesn't do any good to stand up to it if they're black because the haters, the anti-Semites, the ultra-left lunatics, and the ultra-right lunatics, of whom there are definitely some of them, there are definitely some of them too, uh, they will hate Jews no matter what. So the point is, as I would say, for Jews to be morally and physically armed. When I was a child, I don't know how old you are, Malcolm, and, and I, how old are you, Malcolm? 78. Malcolm, 78. Well, you're one year older than I am. God bless you, and good health, Mazel Tov. Hmm. I, both of you. I, I, I like both the younger colleagues. That's a rare occurrence on this show. What? That what? we have somebody your senior. Yeah, you're usually the elder statesman. Yeah, usually is. It's true. But there's a, uh, I I just would wonder how much it will take to get people to understand that just because something is said by blacks, it doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's morally right. It doesn't mean it has any kind of authenticity to it at all. And yet that is the horrible vibe that is floating through the air of the United States of America today, that if people say Israel is a racist country, if Israel says, if people say Israel is the new Nazi Germany, if it's said by a black person, what's well, gotta be true. Nonsense, it's absolute nonsense. In our little household, we know it as such, but there are too many households which don't know it as such. I have a very, very wonderful sister uh, absolutely wonderful woman. She is even older than you or you or I, Malcolm. And uh, very, have her on. Very, very, I'm sure she loves to be on. Very intelligent. Uh, and I guess she thinks she's well educated. She went to Wellesley College. Anyway, I, I, and uh, she, I mean, she, and, and even in her household, you, you really can't question anything a black person says. And that's just true of too many American households. And the poison, the virus, it doesn't, it's not spreading from the proud boys. I know some of the proud boys. I mean, they're not, they're not like hanging around in my house, but I I know some of them. They're not dangerous anti-Semites, at least not to me. You know, the black people are really scary. um, There are some. And I think the, the important thing here, Ben, is that you can't, take out the hater and the poison, but you can try to delimit it. You can make it unacceptable. You can, uh, by the adoption of the IRA definition by 36 states, by the prosecution, by going after those who engage in this and forcing district attorneys and, and on every level of the justice system that they prosecute, that we set examples, that we eliminate from society as many of the people as we can, regardless of 
of who they are and that we, we educate young people. Education is not a panacea in this case. I think the hatred, a lot of it is very deep rooted and deep seated and very hard to, to eradicate, but you can force them back onto the rocks. The problem today is that they extol it. And that was true. We saw it in some of the demonstrations, you know, after the police shootings and things that right away, the, the anti-Semitic themes that started emerging, you saw it in California, Los Angeles with the restaurant. Wait, 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 wait. back up, no. back up, back if you please, Malcolm. Back up, back up. I want to hear that because I live in Los Angeles. I showed you my colleagues here. Uh, He's referring to attack. There was there was there, there was a, there was quite a few attacks on Jewish on, on in, in, in on in synagogues and a few restaurants. There were there were, there there were, were. quite a few attacks, and that's I think what Malcolm is referencing. No, I think Malcolm is referencing something else. Oh. I, I thought you were referencing something in which people said the Jews had something to do with the killings of uh, black people by police. Yes, they they, they linked it to the My fact bad. that police are trained. In, some of the police get special training in Israel, not to kill blacks or anything else, but how to deal with terrorism. They they try to link it with the science. If you saw some of the TV pictures where where you had demonstrations, Black Lives Matters, and all of a sudden you see Palestine free and Palestine. Uh, I, that, I, that's what I thought you were talking about. Sorry, my, my mistake. My I mistake. Saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Saw the demonstrations. Saw them uh, running around the burning places down, throwing Molotov cocktails uh, through the windows of stores and shops. And uh, and then, wham, what do you say? A Palestine flag. And uh, that that's uh, that's a really scary situation. That's there's nothing but fear in that situation. And that is why I, your humble servant, and my friends uh, are all armed, and we're armed at our house. We're armed. I have a lot of houses, and we're all armed like crazy at all. Arm well, Ma- Ma- Malcolm. The point day. Ben brought up yeah. Yeah. is so important because I'm from Brooklyn. When a time when people like Mayor Kahana were revered, and something has happened where we've no. lost what Ben brought up, which is arming yourselves. Which is which is the Jewish which is the which is everybody looks at Israel and for some reason it's the fighting Jew but all of a sudden when it comes to America we're the pacifist there's 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 a shift that that, that apparent there's some sort of shift and you brought up something Malcolm so I want to get to that Malcolm and you brought up the other thing which is the district attorneys and and the, all these things the problem is so many Malcolm let's be honest are progressive Jews. And no, so many are blacks. Yeah. I mean, let's not get right. that. There's, a, not there's, an, there's an axis here in America of blacks and and, and uh, so-called progressive Jews. Now, don't get me wrong. I've worked in the civil rights movement since a long time ago, since Malcolm and I were children. And uh, I 100% support the one ones who are law-abiding, uh, decent people, and God bless in their souls over and over and over again. But let's not kid ourselves. There are a lot of dangerous, hating blacks out there. Malcolm, I will get to you because it's a lot to digest and a lot was said, so please go for it, Malcolm. If you look at those who carried out the attacks in Poet Pittsburgh and others, you get a, a somewhat different picture, but I think the, there is a change in the Jewish community. We have an organization now, a nationwide organization, that scan secure community network that is working to train people 
to to the, what you do in a in a lone uh, attack, what you do in a, a bigger attack. We there is a whole new recognition, I think, on the part of the Jewish community of the security situation. There's still many who put their heads in the sand and say, you know, you got to trust the government, you can't do it. There are many more who, and especially amongst younger Jews who are arming themselves and who are taking steps. It's something that is regrettable. I think that that we should have to, but I, it becomes a necessity at some point where people feel that they can't rely on existing police structures or infrastructures when they're in a synagogue and somebody busts in, you, till the police come, it can be already a tragedy. So there are, there are there is a change I've noticed. There's greater awareness, there's greater training in our schools, in our institutions, more guards. Again, regrettable that will look like Europe where you have to get permission you know, before to enter the synagogue on a Saturday or to register in order to prevent a terrorist attack. Uh, but we have to see to it. We have to build allies and to, to attack this uh, with the support of the federal and local and state governments and to hold to account. That means entertainers, that means uh, athletes, that means all of those who influence younger people, academics, others who can be mobilized and, and for them to take responsibility. Jews should not be responsible for anti-Semitism because we're the victims, not the perpetrators. And for too long, we have taken this one as a defensive measure. And I believe it has to be offensive. It has to be a movement like they would Soviet Jewry, enlist everybody of goodwill and those who are not ready to join, then they have to be subject to public scrutiny and condemnation. You know, our organization, Magivin in Los Angeles, we've been working very closely with the police department and training uh, young Jews in situational awareness and common defense and promoting young Jewish people arming themselves. It's amazing how LAPD has responded to our efforts. We have amazing uh, uh, police interaction with the Jewish community here in Los Angeles. They're so very attentive and very recognizing the need to protect the Jewish community and the New York police also. What, what is the name of this organization? Our organization is called Magivin. It means first responders in Hebrew. We founded on the night of the Democrat riots in 2020. And uh, we have about 75 volunteers that help keep the neighborhood safe. That's great. That's amazing. And what neighborhood is this? Uh, Pico and Beverly, the, uh, the Jewish hood down <laughs> south. The fake okay. Beverly Hills part, Ben. I thought you lived in the Simi Valley. But he's, but he, but that's the neighborhood he's from, or that he was living in. So I that's still the work neighborhood. in the neighborhood. We still do our our job to keep the community safe. Right. And we have right. both on all of our communities here as well. Shomrim, who guards, go on, rolls, guards uh, all over. Uh, okay. the community. And you're, again, you're. But if you just tuned, you are listening to the world according to Ben Stein. We're actually having a great discussion tonight. We're joined by Malcolm Holmline. Of course, we have Benjamin Jeremy Stein and the facilitator and Simba from Simi Valley, and of course, the former Prince of Pico, Adam King. But Malcolm, you brought up something. Always and, the Prince of Pico. And I, 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 I just, I, I have to, because we both grew up knowing him, or you, you're older than him, so you probably helped and train, he, train yeah. him a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And that is the, the man in charge of the Senate, the traitor. Okay. And we're talking about Chuck Schumer. And Chucky, uh, Chucky. Chucky Schumer, as he used to go by. And the old joke in Brooklyn was Chuck would show up if there was a camera anywhere and he, he, he'd be anywhere. And Malcolm, he runs a party right now. And you're talking about accountability that has anti Semite, that has absolute Jew hatred in it. Have you heard Chuck Schumer one time castigate the people in his party? One time stand up against the squad 
the leader of the party. And this is the problem. So many of us in, 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 in that love Israel, the 30% of us that vote conservative have. And, and to, you, to your point where you thank God for the evangelicals, thank God for the Christians. But how do the Christians look at people like Chuck Schumer who can't even stand up against these, the, 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 the absolute hatred in the party? And by the way, amongst the Kufi members are Hispanics, large numbers of Hispanics and blacks and others, because I still believe that that the bulk of Americans are, are with us and care about Israel. Okay. And the, the people who get all the media attention, unfortunately, are the bad guys. And you can't get nobody honors guys who do good things, people who stand up against hatred. They honor those okay, who hate you, they get all the notice. And unfortunately, the media is corruptive of a lot of, you know, Mark Twain once said, if you don't read a newspaper, you're ill-informed. If you read a newspaper, you're misinformed. And that was a hundred years ago, and it's that's even very, more- true. That's very good, very good. Today. And by the way, note that Biden, when he was in Israel, was asked this question and did condemn those that speak out against uh, some of them in, in uh, the first time that I know- Yes, he, it was the first time I heard it too. Elements of the Democratic Party. And I've heard uh, Chuck May speak about it. You know, they, they threatened him. Uh, AOC threatened to run against him, you remember, and uh, challenged him. Uh, and uh, uh, I think, look, we want to hear more from everybody. We want to hear from people to, in condemnation of anybody who says and does things. But we can't write off the Democratic Party any more than we could write off the Republican Party. It's too big. It's too important. Or any sector of American society. I'm not prepared to do that. I'm, I want to get as many of the good people on our side from wherever they come from, whatever their ideology, religion, political persuasion, and to, to find the common nexus that we, we work with them. We see what's happened in Europe with the loss of the political center, with the radicalization of the politics of the parties in France and England and Britain. It is happening here as well. And that's not good. It's not good for Jews. It's not good for people who care about democracy, who want to see the advancement of it. And, and the same thing is true when they write off any conservative gets condemned right away if he doesn't toe the traditional line that so many in the media and elsewhere uh, want people to say. I, I, for one, think the word progressive is a terrible word. They're not progressives, they're regressives. The progressives are the people who want to advance America. And that's not that these people who are engaged in this, in the hatred and the, the undermining of fundamental principles of American democracy. And well, back, to what, back to what uh, my dear friend Judah was saying about uh, thank God for the evangelicals, thank God for the Christians. You know, I spent, my wife was a person and a really, really, really good Christian, a really, really good Christian. And uh, I mean, the best Christian you ever want to see in your life. I mean, a real, true follower of the Lord Jesus. And she, she and I spent, we don't spend as much time now as we used to, a great deal of time in North Idaho. Uh, as far as I can tell, uh, I don't even, I don't know of any other Jews there, but I have uh, ex experienced no anti-Semitism at all. I, the, the Gentiles I talk to and I'm friends with, uh, they're all pro-Israel, pro-Jewish, uh, anti-any kind of violence against Jews at all whatsoever. There used to be quite an active but small uh, Nazi party there. They're gone. Uh, but uh, the, the idea that the, the, the Gentiles are a danger to Jews, uh, as far as I can tell, is a serious mistake. And uh, the real love of Israel comes 
very largely from uh, uh, the, the most conservative of the uh, Christian movements. And, and those are incredibly fine people, incredibly, incredibly fine people. My father was friends with Billy Graham. I'm as it where I'm sitting right now in my office. I have a picture of my father with Billy Graham. And uh, this was a man who stood for up for Israel over and over and over. And Franklin Graham, his wonderful, wonderful son, Absolutely. stands up for Israel over, over and over and over again. And the, the people at uh, uh, Liberty uh, University, uh, the, those were the, they're the most pro-Israel people in the, in the world. I think at one time, Liberty had the largest pro-Israel student organization of any school in America. And the scumbag leftists uh, call it a, a Nazi university. And it's an incredibly great university. Yeah, well said. And Malcolm, my, my point is, and, and Ben's point, yeah, there's, there's some stuff on the right. But for the most part, so much of this BDS, obviously in Europe, is all on the left. We 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 could look at not, no further than uh, 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 Corbyn's Corbyn's party, and so much of it is on the left right now. Jeremy Corbyn, Jeremy Corbyn, terrible, terrible, terrible guy, and and they now want him as the mayor. So they're going from a Muslim that hates Jews to uh, to 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 Corbyn who hates Jews. And Malcolm, I I just think it gets mayor, wait a minute. They want Corbyn as the mayor of what? Of London. Of London. Of of London. They want him to run. Yeah. But my, and Malcolm, but it's it just not a hater. I don't think that the Muslim mayor is a hater. I think Corbyn is, and I think Corbyn represents the cancer and should be the lesson to us for those who, and their counterparts in the United States to learn from that and from his example. And I went to London to talk to the Jewish community, to others, and afterwards they organized a demonstration outside his office and they, you see this switching in the voting patterns, et cetera, and that Corbyn, I mean, the important part is that Corbyn got ousted and that- Thank God. The Semites were, were ousted. And that's part of the message that we can do. We can't eliminate the haters, but we can isolate them. We can denigrate them. We can push them back under the rocks rather than all of this exposure that they get. And on a lot of TV stations, you know, the, you know which ones, they give them a lot of time and a lot of uh, oxygen. But yeah, I am you know so gra grateful to you, Malcolm so and I. Adam, for telling me about this business, about Jeremy Corbyn running for mayor of London. Uh, I knew nothing about it, and I'm really embarrassed that I knew nothing about it. And so is he still a vibe, lively candidate for mayor of London? Or is that, is that in the past? No, 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 this is now. Wow. This is absolutely current. And Malcolm, I, I, I listen. Very kind. And Malcolm, I listen. I, I I love what you've done. You you you've you you really have been in leadership for uh, for a long time. And I don't know if you were you were, were you friends with Mayor Kahana, or did you I, guys? I, I knew Mayor Kahana when I was a teenager. I contacted him because I really believed that Jewish defense was essential. I think he made mistakes in the course of the the way that it was uh, it was pursued. And it gave for many uh, a bad name to Jewish defense that people afterwards didn't want to join. But we see it's changing today that that all the communities, the mainstream, the establishment groups, all of them are joining together in establishing local and national efforts to address the security situation. 
and and you know lawsuits were very important uh, as a threat were when universities that won't protect the rights and the, and this of Jewish students or uh, pro-Israel groups or others you know they have to know that there's going to be the force of law and we have 400 lawyers half of them non-Jews working with the lawfare project and with other organizations pro bono in order to fight these the the campuses and to protect the rights the fundamental rights of of our students and, and young people, and they have to see that we're going to stand with them, and they have to see that Jews and non-Jews alike will be behind them, and especially on campuses. Right. It's especially know, always going to be more non-Jews with them. Right, than... and yet, communities where there aren't Jewish communities established, where are universities, and we wanted them to know that there will be friends there for them as well. It, 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 no, it's incredible. It's incredible the work you've done. And I'm sorry, the animation has to do with, because I, I the reason I asked about the Mayor Kahana thing was because I side. I, I I am lock stock with with somebody like Mayor Kahana because I don't. I while I I love your optimism and I love I I, I I know that you truly believe that that's the that that. But I, I I sometimes look at what's going on in Israel, especially right now, Ben Stein and Malcolm. You know as well where they're in flux right now, and but I don't I see. I, I'm not an optimist about it. I don't want to convey. I'm try, I am a realist uh, and I try to deal with it as it is and what really can work. I'm a pragmatic, but I'm not. A, I mean, I was involved in uh, in Nixon's campaign. I wrote the platform in 1968 on the Middle East. So I have a long history on all sides. And I but but I believe that that we have to face reality and say, how can you get a solution? Who do you need with you in order to accomplish it? You can't do it yourself. And, right. And that, but, you know, they say an optimist says this is the best of all possible world and a pessimist agrees. <laughs> that was fantastic. And I'm glad you said that. Uh, I got to tell you, you and Ben are, are just fantastic because and I, 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 I want to say this to you, Malcolm. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I love that you could that I'm able to that we're able to, we believe in discourse. And I've known Ben, like I said, and he's never put me down, said that's stupid. He's just challenged me for my beliefs and not enough of that happens. Mm-hmm. Not that's enough of, the, of people say to people, why do you believe that? Is that belief working for you? How's that working out? And that's something that Ben has constantly challenged me, especially when it comes to politics. And I'm so grateful and, and, and for people like Adam and myself that we get that, that we get to have that and, and Ben brings up all the time, and I want you to bring this up one more time, Ben, because it's so important. We are so blessed to be Jews in America at this moment. As bad as, or whatever a picture, we're the luckiest Jews in the world, Ben. We are the luckiest Jews to have ever been in the history of the human race. We are unbelievably blessed. Um, Malcolm and I are old enough to remember when anti-Semitism was uh, a standard item and a part of law. I don't know if you're a lawyer or not, Malcolm, but it was a part of law. It was a, a, a legal contracts for the sale of residential real estate could have in them clauses forbidding the sale to Jews and courts would and courts would enforce them. And your humble servant and growing up in Washington, D.C., who had parents who were able to afford to live in pretty nice neighborhoods, uh, were constantly pointing out to me these, these neighborhoods and saying it would be nice if we could live there, but this is restricted. That doesn't happen anymore. There are near me out in the desert where we belong to a couple of clubs out in the desert. There's a club called El Dorado, 
which is a very, very beautiful club. And uh, I'm sorry to say that uh, we were proposed for membership by a, a woman who's a member there, who's a friend of my wife's family. And uh, we were blackballed for being Jewish. And uh, hilarious side note, the uh, man who called me to tell me, I said, it's not because you're Jewish, it's because you're in entertainment. We don't want anyone to in <laughs> and, I, and, and I said to him, you mean you would have blackballed Ronald Reagan? And uh, yeah. so, so but, but, but this is a great time to be a Jew in America. We have incredible opportunities, incredible, unbelievable opportunities, just mind-boggling opportunities. When I was a young man, uh, my father was a head of close, fairly close friends, not real close friends, fairly close friends with a guy who was the head of Goldman Sachs. And uh, even at Goldman Sachs, founded by Jews, uh, they hardly took any Jews because they did not want customers walk in the door to see a Jewish face, even at the Washington Post, where uh, owned by Jews. My, my, my sister had a job there and uh, she had to change her name for anyone answering the phone from Stein to Smith or Clark or something like that. So she didn't sound Jewish and so it wouldn't be a Jewish sounding name. Answering the phone. A totally different world, a completely different world for us Jews. It's a great, great, great super world, but the tide is turning and the tide is going, is running out and running against us. And that is very largely, I'm sorry to say this, it really breaks my heart to say it, because of the blacks, because of the anger of the blacks, and because of the fact that the blacks don't, uh, they, they have a huge, huge, huge amount of uh, built up anger and frustration and rage. And uh, it, a lot of it was directed against the Jews because the Jews are successful. And the blacks look around and say, what the fuck? We, we, why are the Jews so successful and we're not? And uh, so uh, w w for whatever reason, that's a real, that's a real problem. But look, it's a great, being an American is the greatest thing there's ever been in the history of the world. There's not ever been anything as great as being an American. Extremely well said. Malcolm pointed out, you know, we have more diversity in our friend list than we ever had before as Jews in America with Kufi and other organizations like that. And across the board, you know, Martin Luther King, others were, were leaders in, in being pro-Israel. So I don't want to write off, and I think we have to put in the proper perspective the, the general problems we have, the crime in America, the satisfaction, unrest, potential dangers. And as I said, the physical assaults in, in New York, we know they're coming from minority groups and the, the, um, the need, but, but it's too simple to, to blanket uh, th these things. We have to be specific and identify the causes, the, the, the root causes we know. It's truth from the times of the Romans and even before when the anti-Semitism has permeated societies throughout history. And yeah, I don't think you can eradicate it. It's like a cancer. But well, this, this is what wifey says, and this is Ben's wife. It's genetic, my, uh, uh, Malcolm. That, that, there, there, there is a element that it is inherent in societies hatred is hatred by its very nature is irrational look how hitler diverted critical war material to kill jews he took away the trains he took away the bullets he took away the soldiers just to kill jews so hatred by its nature is irrational but rational people have to stand up to it and anybody who thinks they're not affected if blacks hispanics christian muslims anybody believes that you let the jews be the targets and you won't be affected by the same hatred 
Just look at the lessons of history. Malcolm, I well love put, your realism. Well put, well put, well, well put, put. I love well your realism. Well and as we're closing shop, Ben brought up a story. I don't want, it's so important because people need to hear that no matter where you come from or how you're labeled, you could get out of it. You obviously grew up in the same exact time as him. And you obviously, as, he, as, as, as he. he, thank you, Mrs. Lovett, uh, as, as he, Ben Stein, <laughs> And uh, Malcolm, I just want very quickly as we're running out, how did you persevere through all that stuff? Well, my parents were survivors who, who escaped Germany. Uh, my grandparents were all killed. My cousins, aunts, uncles, my mother was a lone survivor from her family. My father had one sister who survived with it. And, and, uh, and that really has overshadowed in many respects, my perception of the world, that Jews can't live at the sufferance of others. And I found the outlet for me. I did not grow up in an affluent uh, uh, community, uh, but had all the privileges, uh, thanks to my parents' sacrifice. My father was very educated. He spoke seven languages, but because of the war, he was a graduate teacher at university degrees. And my mother was a RN, but you know, the, the, they came as refugees, penniless. They built lives in America. And so I'm always grateful to America. And but but I realized that we cannot live at the sufferance of others, that Jews have to build the capacity to to determine their own fate and to come together and whatever differences we have to be able to recognize that our destiny is one. And that's why I spent my life in umbrella organizations. I've been doing Jewish leadership for almost 60 years. And I and I believe that that what we have in common for our ways, our differences. And it's true in terms of the American people. The problem is that we got to focus on our common efforts and not just on what divides us. Well said, Malcolm. Uh, it's a true honor and privilege that you've decided to join the world of Ben Stein tonight. Seriously, an honor and a privilege. I want to thank Adam King, the facilitator, Simba from Simi Valley, and of course, always. And Adam, Adam what's the name of your group that helps people? The group is called Magivim. And what's the website? Magivim.org. Okay, and I will uh, spell that out for people. I want to thank all the rumblers, the ranthers, the people are going to be listening to this show later on. Of course, I want to thank once again, Malcolm Holmline. It's an honor and a privilege. Thank you, Adam King. You can find Ben Stein at spectator.org. Uh, Malcolm, where can people find you? How do people find you to get in touch? Well, first of all, I do a twice-week radio show, CBS Eye on the World with John Batchelor. I do also Ooh, Bachelor. Oh. John Bachelor. I've been doing it for 25 years. That's We're a blast from the past. Work. And um, uh, well, it's a different John Bachelor than the CBS John Bachelor. This oh. is a, a better one. And this <laughs> no, he's a terrific guy. And uh, we have a nationwide audience. We also I do JM and AM every Friday mornings. They can look up and they can uh, always reach me at Malcolm at conferenceofpresidents.org. J.M. and the A.M. And I'm blanking on his name. He taught at my high school. Siegel. Yeah, Menachem Siegel. Okay, thank you very much. All the rumblers, the ranters, and everybody out there. Uh, I just want to thank everybody. And uh, Ben Stein, please take us out. Oh, we will not be here Thursday night. Ben needs to travel. Ben's traveling Idaho, so we will see you very soon. Ben, please take us out. Oh, oh beautiful for spacious skies. For amber waves of grain, for purple mountains, majesties above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crowned thy good 
with brother on drums to shining sea. And thank God for America. Thank God for America. And thank God for Israel. God bless you all. God bless America. God bless Israel. God bless everybody. Have a great night. We will see you very soon. My pleasure.